Holy Hour of Power two-man card, Jess Romero, Terry Barber. This is a this is UFC Catholicism Ultimate Faithful Catholics. Amen. And we are your spiritual fitness trainers. I'm on duty. Terry, what about you? Yes, I'm on duty, and it's exciting to be alive as a Catholic today because we're living in some exciting times. Today, we're going to be covering topics that yeah, you've heard probably the first of the week about the Cardinal sending a dubia to Pope Francis ahead of the Senate on uh, synodality. Uh, that's what we're going to cover. But we're also going to cover what we as lay Catholics can do to help Holy Mother the Church, which is even more important than that. Number two, we're going to cover Pope Francis's senatorial path mimics the Anglicans. We've talked about this over the months. It's a route to self-destruction. They did this in the 1950s. And it's just interesting how we follow uh, many uh, things like that. And we, we should realize that this is just not going to work out. And we pray for Holy Mother of the Church that we all repent and believe in the gospel and not the gospel of the world, which is a false gospel. So we're going to have that and much, much more. I've got a prayer uh, that I want to share from Bishop Athanasius Schneider. He composed for the Senate, and this is something that I'm praying now as a way to help the Holy Mother of the Church, and uh, much, much more. Jesse, what about the uh, good-to-know file? What do you got cooking on that? Yeah, here's a couple things, Terry, that I'd Hit like me. to share. Hit me, brother. <clears throat> the number of homeless across the fruited plain in our country mm -hmm. It's pretty massive right now. Yes, it is. In Los Angeles alone, the mayor's office has counted more than 46,000 just in the city. We're talking just the city. Yes. That's roughly the size of 12 Ukrainian brigades that launched the ill-fated counteroffensive in June. 30 years ago, homelessness was not common. And uh, it existed, but it's not common. But mm -hmm. now in the epidemic dimensions that we see today, uh, I think this is a human time bomb waiting to explode America's destroying itself, Terry, by sending trillions of dollars overseas yep. to fund a never-ending military operation, which is a, euphem another, a euphemism for war. They call it operation. Okay. Yep. Uh, while, while we have Americans addicted to narcotics and battling with mental illness piling up on the streets, we have uh, veterans that have nowhere to sleep. Uh, Terry, the, the Wall Street reported a few months ago that yes. the number of homeless is rising. Also, Michigan sheriff warns residents in wealthy majority Democrat voting county says, quote, organized transnational gangs are breaking into your homes. Wow. And so he's warning the rich people in Michigan. Yes. He's saying for decades, a majority of Oakland County, Michigan residents have been voting for Democrats up and, and up and down the streets of affluent neighborhoods. Now you have signs reading, no person is legal, and in this house, we believe no human is legal. This can be found, these signs can be found in front of several million dollar homes. Uh, nothing says I'm a better person than my neighbor. That's just virtue signaling. But now the sheriff is warning them, guess what, you, you millionaires out there, you guys are becoming victims of home invasion, okay? Uh, and so he's warning them. That they're, they're, they've been coming after them, these, uh, the, these transnational gangs. Also, <clears throat> Joe Biden, he's angry over Elon Musk's purchase of Twitter. He says now people have no notion of what, inf of what true information is. <laughs> so he's, he's saying that, that Elon Musk is promoting fa false information. Joe Biden sat down for a one-on-one -on -one interview with John Howard uh, from, from uh, ProPublica. And he said, he said that 
that now because of Elon Musk and Twitter, this is a threat to democracy. And so Biden's not happy with Elon Musk's purchase of Twitter. Uh, Elon Musk purchased Twitter last October for $44 billion. He immediately fired Democrat deep state protector CEO. Uh, all, all the leftists that were working at Twitter, he got rid of them on day, uh, you know, immediately. Wow. And so the deep state media complex, they lost control over the flow of information after Elon Musk purchased Twitter. And that's got Biden very mad. Also, yep. Um, dear reverend fathers and dear colleagues and dear friends, uh, good news. There's a statement, a new statement given by Cardinal Mueller in which he supports the fact that five cardinals have now issued a new set of dubias awesome. regarding the upcoming synod on synodality. I was waiting for him es- to speak Especially up. its seeming openness towards the blessing of same-sex unions, ordination of women, and more. So uh, Cardinal Mueller has just thrown his weight Good. behind the Good five dubia him. cardinals. Yeah. Yes, yeah, I got one thing about the FBI is alerting the public to be aware of a violent, satanic group targeting vulnerable children online. The common end goal is forcing the minors they extort into committing suicide on live streams for their own entertainment of their own sense of frame. And this is serious matter. And Jesse, that's why the Spiritual Warfare Conference that comes up in March we're going to be doing. People can register for that. Spiritual warfare is alive and well, and we (laughs) Catholics need to know how to defend Holy Mother, the Church, and our own families by living in a sacramental marriage and a sacramental state by staying by uh, staying out of mortal sin, number one. That's right. Yep. Well, speak, Lord. Your servants are listening yeah, yeah. To, to today's holy gospel. Yep. Luke chapter 9, verse 51 to 56. Mm-hmm. When the days for Jesus to be taken were fulfilled, he resolutely determined to journey to Jerusalem, and he sent messengers ahead of him. Yep. On the way, they entered a Samaritan village to prepare for his reception there, But they would not welcome him because the destination of his journey was Jerusalem. When the disciples James and John saw this, they asked, Lord, do you want us to call down fire from heaven to consume them? Jesus turned and rebuked them, and they journeyed to another village. The gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. So this this phrase, this verse that says when when he was to be received up or taken up, This is a reference to Jesus' ascension. That's what he's talking about here. And and Jewish tradition holds that both Moses and Elijah were both assumed into heaven and that both imparted a share of their spirit to their successors. So our Lord Jesus Christ, he does the same thing. When he ascends into heaven, he pours out his Holy Spirit upon his followers. And, uh, and, and But in today's gospel, our Lord is now beginning that long journey towards Jerusalem and when he arrives, he's going to announce, he's going to denounce the city of Jerusalem. He's going to pronounce, pronounce a covenant curse for rejecting his message. And uh, St. Luke also describes Jesus's resolution in terms of, in terms that regal how God in the Old Testament commissioned the prophets, Jeremiah and Ezekiel, to preach against Jerusalem for its corruption. Our Lord also, uh, the, Samaritan, the Samaritans are mentioned here. The Samaritan territory lies in central Palestine between Judea, the south, and Galilee, the north. And historically, the Jews and the Samaritans, they were bitter enemies who worshipped in rival sanctuaries. The Jews worshipped in Jerusalem and the Samaritans worshipped in Mount Gerizim. 
but uh, the Samaritans were distant descendants of the northern tribes of Israel, so they did have some Jewish blood. Uh, but the Jews considered them impure, Im- impure because their ancestors had intermarried with foreign immigrants and had honored foreign gods as well. So despite centuries of, of animosity between both of them, Jesus shows mercy towards the Samaritans and even praises some of them. In fact, many from Samaria embraced the gospel in the early church. And also the disciples, they're full of zeal. You see when they're, they want to call fire down from heaven. <laughs> this reminds me of uh, back, you know, James and John, they're also called the sons of thunder. But the disciples wished Jesus to follow the example set by Elijah, who literally called down fire from heaven to consume the messengers uh, from the king of Samaria back in the book of in Second Kings chapter 1. And uh, and the, the last thing is, is, is for us as Catholics, let's remember the fire that we should be calling down from heaven is called the fire of the Holy Spirit upon people. Amen. Let's bring the smartest guy into the room right now. Oh, swing ahead. This applies to our show today because we're going to be talking about our spiritual leaders going to Rome for the Senate on synodality. And Bishop Sheen's comment here, I think, fits. He talks about almost everyone today wants a religion, but everyone wants a religion that does not cost too much. That is why Christianity has been watered down to suit the modern mind. Jesse, I'm going to apply that to the fathers that we have, from the Holy Father to the bishops and cardinals, lay people that are meeting. Uh, The agenda is an agenda of compromise. It's an agenda that says we need to water down, lower the bar for Christianity, bring in the homosexuals, ordain women. These are things that the world has been influencing our leaders. And so I think Bishop Sheen nailed it when he said that's why uh, they want Christianity to be watered down because they think it will suit the modern man. And this is a false gospel. So thank you, Bishop Sheen, for getting us straightened out. Your thoughts, Jess? Yeah, precisely, Terry. Uh, as Catholics, yep. St. Paul warned us yep. that there, there will be a point in time in history mm-hmm. when people will preach another Jesus yeah. and another gospel. And St. Paul also warned us, but he warned the Corinthians, but there's also a warning for us that beware of false apostles. Mm-hmm. It's right in the New Testament. Yeah. Beware of false apostles. Terry, dare I say that there are many false apostles who are directly involved with the synod and synodality. And this is why I always say to any of our church members, never worry about who will be offended if you speak the truth of the gospel. Worry about who will be misled, deceived, and destroyed if they don't. And I believe, Jesse, that sets us right up for our next segment on why the cardinals sent this letter to the Holy Father because they need, they felt that it needed to be done because of the potential lack of clarity and error being promoted. And they have an obligation before God, especially as cardinals, like we do too, to a certain extent, to be faithful to the gospel and repent. So I will get into that and much more here on the Terry and Jesse show on Virgin, those powerful radio. Stay with us, family. Yes, Romero, I have to tell you something, man. We take a break, right? We don't really take breaks. People are communicating with us. We just love it because it's high-energy Catholic radio here. We're not here to just have, oh, we're going to read you this. We're going to tell you. No, 
We're on fire. Why? Because we love Jesus Christ and his bride, the church, enough to spend every day of our lives sharing that gospel because we know life is short and eternity is forever. So, Jess, let's get into this new article about the Cardinal sending a dubia to Pope Francis ahead of the Senate. Yeah, this is uh, this is good news. Yeah, it is. I'm, they've done they've done this before yes, they did. to no avail. It didn't. Uh, the, the Pope Francis never responded, mm-hmm. but now you got again five cardinals sent to Dubia. Yeah, these are a set of questions of Pope Francis. They're expressing their concerns. They want to seek clarification on points of doctrine and discipline uh, ahead of the week opening of the Synod and Synodality at the Vatican. And so the dubia questions were, were sent to August 21st, and they want clarity. Yes, clarity. No, yes or no answers, man. Yes, they don't want, they don't want a filibuster. Right. Uh, and that's what happened. Pope Francis sent a filibuster response. These are yes and no questions. The dubias were signed by Cardinal Walter Brandmuller, Cardinal Raymond Burke, uh, Cardinal Zen Zekum, Cardinal Juan Iniguez Sandoval and Cardinal Robert Seurat. Jesse, just to back up, Sandoval is the Mexican uh, cardinal from um, Mexico, and he we quoted him a lot of times because he went after the Mexican government and spoke up where a lot oh, of the bishops yeah. wouldn't say. Do you remember that? I'm surprised, he's alive. I'm surprised he's alive still. Yeah, he's 90 years old, but he's a man that is on mission, so I want to thank him at his age, especially... And Cardinal, um, Cardinal Zen, who we've had on our show, uh, I mean, this is a man who suffered for the faith, and he is speaking up. These men are, and then Cardinal Robert Seurat, the holiest cardinal that we have, in my opinion. I've read every book he comes out with, and he's saying, hey, this needs to be addressed for the salvation of souls. Because, Jesse, the thing that they made it clear was they're concerned about error being promoted, just like us. Yeah, and again, and they're applying the same canon. Canon two twelve right. uh, applies to them as well as us. Oh, yeah. That they ha- they have the right and duty, and the responsibility <coughs> to confront their sacred pastors, which would be the Pope, uh, you know, the Holy Father. Yes, and and that's exactly what we're doing here, Terry. <clears throat> we're we're invoking canon two twelve. That's within our rights as Catholics. Right. This is this is the teaching of the of the Magisterium of Vatican two and prior. Again, we we see this. Uh, uh, Paul confronted Saint Peter in the New Testament. When Peter was uh, was going off the plumb line as well, right? But uh, I'll, I'll tell you, tell me, yes. They, the the Pope did respond. No, but but it was the filibuster. The first response was a filibuster. It, it didn't make any. It didn't. Well, you know who did the uh, who answered the question for the Holy Father? Was I the, don't think it was the Pope. No, it was the prefect for the doctrine of the faith. Now they call it the Castro, the new guy who the DDF, 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 and he basically danced around and they responded saying you didn't answer the questions man it's a right. it's a yes or no answer we've got to get clarity here but you see they they don't see jesse i'm going to be honest with you the way i see it they don't see catholicism in black and white they see no they don't in shades of gray i'm sorry but that's how i see it well you know you can see by the way they respond now apparently they the the vatican has responded now but the the five cardinals are holding the answer close to their vest. They're not sharing what was said. That's what the article says. Uh, and so uh, I just know the first answer was the filibuster. And the second answer, the cardinals are not. Sh- and they, they probably don't want to depress us. That's why they're probably not showing it to you. I'm, I'm, I'm assuming. It could be scandalous. Exactly. And they're probably saying, you know what? We don't want to scandalize the entire Catholic Church, all the, all the laity. So 
we'll just hold this, uh, keep this to ourselves and we're not going to make it public because they're not making it public. So, Terry, if if it was a good, solid Catholic perennial teachings, orthodox response, I think they would have released it immediately. They would have said, oh, look what the Holy Father just said. Nothing to hide here. But the fact is, I don't think it went too well on our side, on the side of what I would call orthodoxy, the perennial teachings of the church or what's called the deposit of faith, the turn that's gotten Pope, uh, I mean, that's got Bishop Strickland in trouble. (laughs) Just for using a a, a, a catechism term, deposit of faith. Yeah. I don't think it went too well, Terry, and I think that's why they haven't released it to us, the five dubia cards. I like what Cardinal Burke said, that what is the key in the dubia and, and the reformulation of dubia concern primary this, two things, Jesse, the church doctrine and discipline, the salvation of souls. Remember, canon law says that everything the church should do deals with, ultimately, the salvation of souls. So when the church is talking about recycling my water bottle, Jesse, that I have in my hand, that's not the salvation of souls. No, our focus is supposed to be, as the church, the salvation of souls. Everything it does. And I believe, just seeing what I see, is that the church, unfortunately, our spiritual fathers, have become too much one with the world and saying, well, the world says... We gotta have equal things for women. We gotta have a, we gotta have so many women on our on our staff, just like the the world says. Oh, and they 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 have to be a women's ordination because it wouldn't be fair if only men get ordained. The world says that we're equal, but you see, they, what they're forgetting is the supernatural. Jesse, our leaders in our church have become too much one with the world and not enough with Christ. Okay, that's a judgment call based on what I see here. Yeah, that's that's the judgment call based on observation. Yeah, based that, on what we're seeing. Yeah. And uh, Terry, I, I'm telling you right now, is, 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 right now as Catholics, yeah. is when we should uh, t- to get to get some peace of mind. Yeah, I just tell people, you know what? Uh, oh, you pray know. that serenity prayer every yeah. day. You know, Lord, grant me the serenity to to accept the things I cannot change, courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Boy, oh boy, does that serenity prayer make more sense today than ever before? And Jesse, if I can jump in and say, and adding to that, what we need to be doing is making reparation for this tragedy that's taking place in Rome right now by prayer, fasting, and almsgiving. As a matter of fact, visits to the Blessed Sacrament should console anyone because there we are with the the body, blood, soul, and divinity of Jesus Christ. But I'm just going to mention Eucharistic adoration, rosary, I also include supplication to the holy angels. We just had the guardian angel feast day. Mm. And I was going to ask you, I'm telling my wife, I haven't done this, but I'm going to do it, Jesse. I'm going to have masses offered for that specific need that they will stay faithful to the teachings of Christ and not of the world. And also, all our holy communions right now, Jesse, we had one this morning. We're going to have one, no, 2.30, Monsignor's coming. Offer your holy communion for the, for, uh, the Senate that they will not... Uh, compromise one iota on the faith. This is what you can do, folks. Fasting, yeah. Prayer belongs to, and, and other things. Maybe fast from TV, fast from the media. I have mm. a lot of people tell me, I'm so worried I'm, because I keep reading about this. Stop reading and pray, okay? There you go. Y- you're going to yeah. get a change. And then almsgiving. It's a concrete realization of helping the merciful love for one's neighbor is the most efficient part of our commitment. Even little modest almsgiving has very, very effective uh, means to uh, help Holy Mother, the Church. 
And so overall, our intention is to form the Blessed Mother, the Holy Angels, and the Saints to each other, a, a radiant ring of protection, okay, over the doctrine of the Catholic faith. Because this is what's really being addressed at this Senate, Jesse. I, I'm going to call it a new church. Now, you say, wait a minute, Terry. What do you mean a new church? Well, if they start changing the doctrines of the church that are perennial teachings, they can't do that. And if they try to do that, they won't be part of the Catholic Church. Now, Jesse, am I onto something, or is that just wishful they're, thinking? It, they're going to be saying that we're not part of the Catholic Church. Trust me, because they're in power. Right. So they're going to be saying people like you and I that hold to the yeah, that that that. And here's what here's the 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 words that they're using, Terry, right dumb, now dumb. currently. They're saying that we have to, as Catholics, we have to listen and obey the to the we have to listen and obey to the current magisterium. Notice, current magisterium. That's never been said before, Terry. That's not a word that's been said in the last 2,000 years. Right. What's always been taught is that we have to listen to the magisterium of the church, the perennial teachings of the church. That's right. The, the, the magisterium, which encompasses the last 2,000 years. I've never heard the phrase, the current magisterium. Won't. And that's what's being used right now yep. to try to to try to psyops people, to try to you know to, to use mind control, mm-hmm. and uh, what's also being used is the word radical inclusion, inclusion, yeah. include. I call it radical inclusion, but we have to be inclusive of everybody. Inclusion, inclusion. Yeah, that's true. We have to include everybody if they repent and believe in the gospel, and confess their sins and have contrition. And walk in a state of grace, uh, choose to follow Christ. Of course, then, then everybody's welcome. But we have to be people have to be welcome under the terms of the gospel, Terry. That's not key. under, yeah, not under the terms of secular humanism. And it seems to me, Terry, you know, here's something interesting. I remember years ago, under Pope John Paul II and Pope Francis and Pope uh, John Benedict the Sixteenth, they were always going at it with the UN. Yeah. They were always going at it with the United Nations right. and fighting and winning, Terry, and winning uh, a lot. Now, it's quite the opposite. In the last 10 years, Terry, yeah, just the opposite. we're not fighting against the U.N. No. We, we, we have become one with the U.N. Yes. Everything the U.N. Pr- pr- promotes, contraception, abortion on demand, Dead. euthanasia, homosexual ideology, uh, Mother Earth, you know, climate change. Now the UN and the, I'll say it, the current Vatican speak the same language. And that's very sad. And, and this is why we need to pray for our church. And Jesse, here's another one. Pope Francis has effectively told the clergy that they can decide for themselves whether to bless homosexual unions. And this is at odds of the teachings of the church. Bishop Strickland got in trouble because he reaffirmed the purpose of marriage and the priesthood. And he also said this, that same-sex blessings, God cannot and will not bless sin. See, this is what we need. What the Holy Father said there is contrary to Scripture and tradition. So we need to pray for him because, Jesse, he's going to be judged much more severely than you or I because he's the vigor of Christ. And so this is really one of the dubious questions submitted by the five cardinals or whether or not the church can ever accept a possible good, objective, sinful situation such as same-sex unions, <clears throat> Pope Francis stated that for pastoral prudence must adequately discern whether 
They are forms of blessings requested by one or more persons that do not transmit a mistaken conception of marriage. Here's the problem, Jesse. False compassion. What's more compassionate is to tell those people to repent and believe in the gospel. That's a biblical approach. The other approach is a worldly approach. I'm sorry to have to say that. Yeah, um, and and this is this is what a cardinal supposed to do. Yeah, they're they're supposed to they're they're the advisors of exactly. the pope. They're brother bishops, That's right. and this is what they're doing, Terry. They're they're asking him. They're asking him questions. They're not making any accusatory statements. No. But the questions require a yes or no answer. It doesn't require a filibuster on the congressional floor to speak for 10 hours and say nothing. That's one of the traits of modernism. They say a lot, Terry, but their words are ambiguous and they say nothing. Amen. When we come back, we'll have more on the Terry and Jesse show. Yes, yes, Romero, Terry Barber. We are too blessed to be stressed. Stay with us, family. We'll be right back. Wow, Jesse, we're back. Continue, please. Yep. Two Catholics with PhDs in common sense. So what's what's the end game here? Terry, the end game, Yeah. and we've had many people, so we don't even have to go too far in history, right? but we've had many people in our lifetime warn us about uh, a parallel church. We did. Who we- did? Well, John Paul II, Pope 1976. Yeah, that's right. At the yeah, Eucharistic said, Congress. Yes, he said that we are entering a time when we, the, the, the church yep. will fight the, versus the anti-church. That's right. So he warned us. Who else has warned us about this anti-church? Bishop Fulton that's right. Sheen. That's right. He also warned us about an anti-church. Uh, St. Thomas Aquinas calls this anti-church the mystical body of the Antichrist. And, and Jesse, can I just say one more thing? What you just said about different saints, I call them saints, okay? I mean, yeah. Bishop Sheen is going to be a saint, might Absolutely. be with another pontificate. I, oh, I think he's in heaven right now. I do too, bro. Yeah. Come on, give me a break. <laughs> if, he ain't, if he ain't in heaven, Jess, we're we, in then trouble, we don't have, bro. We don't have a chance. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So here's what I want to say. There's a book that St. Henry Newman uh, wrote about St. Athanasius at the time of the 4th century. And I find it very interesting because the parallels are very interesting because of what was going on in the church. Many of the lay people, like yourself and like myself, uh, were the ones who really pushed back on Arianism, the lay people. And I see a connection that we're doing the same thing again. 80% of the bishops, I'm told, were Arians at the time of the fourth century when Bishop, uh, Bishop Athanasius was alive and well. He was exiled, I think, six times. But lay people knew the faith enough to say, no, we don't believe that. And I see a parallel that's happening now. And this could actually be a serious problem of the church. If the modernists in the church get their way, there will be a split, Jesse. And this is why we have to look back to the holy men and women who have prayed and who have said things that would apply to us today because think about the gospel it has no expiration date so this is why we need to tell our leaders go back to the scriptural view a world biblical view rather than a worldly view and i see that what's happened in the recent history of my lifetime we keep going back to a worldly view 
of man and woman and life and forget the supernatural and work just on, you know, how to solve the problem of pollution when rather we forgot about solving the problem of sin in one's life. Yeah, pollution of the soul. Pollution of the soul. That's yeah, Terry, and and, uh, and what they want to do... Tell me, Jess. I'll tell you what this uh, synod, uh, synodality is, is, is really, it really is. It's Vatican III. Mm-hmm. Why do I say that? It's because the modernist didn't get their way entirely. They didn't go far enough in Vatican II. Right. You know, they, they, they put some ambiguity on religious liberty and, uh, you know, some of the pastoral letters, you know, that uh, Muslims and Catholics w- worship the, the one true God. There's some ambiguous statements in the pastoral sections of Vatican II, but the constitutions are solid because there's cut and paste from the Council of Trent, Vatican I. So the liberals know, the modernists know, they, didn't, they couldn't touch the constitutions. Uh, you know, they, 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 had, they had their way with some of the language in the pastoral letters. And so now, Terry, in order for them to bake in their modernist new, new church, uh, you know, deep, deep church uh, agenda, they have to initiate Vatican III. This is what it is. The Synod of Synodalities, Vatican III, where they can finish off what they were starting at Vatican II with the pastoral letters. Uh, they want to now get into the doctrine of the church. You see, with uh, think about this. If 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 they're going to start saying, oh yeah, the Catholic priests can start blessing homosexual civil unions, well, the the question is, it's a theological question, can you bless sin? And the answer is no. Nope. And so, if we're being taught by the highest offices in the church that you can bless sin, uh, then I would call that the anti-church. I would call that. I would. This is what Fulton Sheen says. Yeah. And and John Paul II and many others. And I think we've entered such a time where I think as Catholics, lay Catholics especially, and good Catholic priests, we may go underground. Uh, you know, we may having, be having mass at, uh, you know, people's backyards and people are going to be texting each other and using telegram and signals saying, OK, mass is uh, at four o'clock at the barber's house. It's at, you know, eight o'clock in the morning at the Romero's house. And, uh, you know, it, because... Most good Catholic priests and bishops, Harry, they're not going to go with no. with these changes because these changes, they're attacking the very core, the very essence of the Catholic faith because we know that God is unchangeable. It says in the book of Malachi, God never changes. And so God's word never changes. And so God's God is immutable. God's doctrines don't change either. Yeah. If God destroyed a city over rampant sodomy, God's not going to repent now and say, oh, I made a mistake back there in Genesis 19 in Sodom and Gomorrah. I owe them an apology because Americans got it right because their U.S. Supreme Court, you know, they're a lot smarter than any one of us. Uh, n- no, Terry, th- this uh, God is unchanging. His word is unchanging, immutable, and his doctrine is immutable as well. And I would also add, Jesse, if you look at the church today, who's being punished for their actions when they speak of orthodoxy. We have a lot of canceled priests in America because they spoke out on the Catholic faith. Uh, that's just how it is. Now, we have cardinals, we have bishops. Uh, well, Bishop Strickland, another one, he's saying that I'm just going to reaffirm the purpose of marriage and priesthood in my pastoral letters and P3 
People are getting mad at him. Now, who's not getting punished? The James Martins, Father James Martins. And there's a lot of them. Yes. And these guys, but what about this Swiss bishop calling for women's ordination to end celibacy of head of the Senate? Guess what? Not only did he not get punished, he's one of the delegates. You see the de- you see how worldliness has sipped into the church? That we forgot our mission. Jess, you always talk about the fundamentals, going back to the fundamentals, a world biblical view. We're losing the biblical view of life replacing it with a worldly view. And this is how, you know, the deal with the Chinese uh, communist government, we would never make a deal with them unless we said, well, wait a minute, wait a minute. How much are they wanting to give it? How much money are they going to fund? Oh, well, maybe we, we can look the other way on this. See, this is a worldly view. Whatever happened to the Cardinal Menzentes, you know, the saints that, you know, we look back, none of them would agree on this. Think about Padre Pio. What would he say about this Senate? What would St. Alphonsus Liguori? Just name all the saints, and I can't find one saint who would say, oh, this is good stuff. You know why? Because it's not part of the deposit of faith, what's going on down there. Yeah, and as a result of that, Terry, um, as, as Catholics, there's a lot of there's a lot of confusion, but he, here's a simple way to just to look at all of this. Okay. I tell people... Um, I'm not confused, and I'll tell you why. Because when I was baptized, the Bible says I was baptized in Christ. I was not baptized into a pope. Right. You know what I'm saying? That's right. That's I was not right. baptized into a bishop or a cardinal or this into my pastor. Christian. I was baptized in Christ. How am I saved? By eating the body, blood, soul, and divinity of the pope? No. Nope. A bishop? No. Nope. A, Jesus Christ. Well said. Um, uh, who is, who is the, 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 the apex of my faith? Who is my savior? A Pope? No. A Bishop? No. A Cardinal? No. Jesus Christ. In other words, what I'm saying, no matter what the modernists do, Terry, even if we're behind a jail cell one day, they can't take your faith away from Jesus Christ of Nazareth. He is Titus chapter one, verse one. It doesn't say the Pope is our hope. It doesn't say a bishop's our hope. It says Jesus is our hope. Jesus is our hope. And so I just keep it very simple. Life is an intimate relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. And you know what? You can even have that intimate relationship. Hey, if you get stranded on an island, you could even have that intimate relationship. If you're locked up in a death row jail cell in San Quentin, you could even have that really intimate relationship with Jesus Christ. If you're in a Vietnam, a Vietnamese, uh, you know, prisoner of war yep. camp, uh, or you could be like St. Paul locked up in a Roman prison. The fact is nothing this world throws that you can take away your union with Christ by living in a state of grace, by having a prayer life, a dedicated prayer life. Yeah. They can even take the church away from us one day or the yeah. sacraments, but they can't take away the purity of your faith. That's right. Remember, remember St. Joan of Arc. Oh, yeah. She was convicted by bishops on the charges of heresy. These weren't state charges. These were charges from bishops. Yep. The English bishops, they charged her with heresy and then they burned her at the stake. Well, what... what when she, when she was being burned alive, you know what she was saying at the top of her lungs? She wasn't saying, Pope, Pope, Pope. She was saying, Jesus, yep. Jesus, 
Jesus. As I read all the saints and martyrs as they're dying, none of them are calling their pope. None of them are calling their bishop or cardinal or their priest or their deacon. Every one of them, all the saints and martyrs, ancient and new, when they're dying, their eyes are locked in on one person and calling upon his name, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Yes, you just gave the answer. That's why we, we, we have the answer to our faith, no matter what uh, the Holy See does at this conference. It's not going to affect my faith because my faith, as Jess said, is in Jesus Christ, not in man. And I encourage you also to spend time before the Blessed Sacrament in the presence of Christ. That's where our peace will come from, not from the world, not from the flesh, not from the devil. Turn our lives over to Jesus Christ, embrace his teaching, and no matter what comes out of anywhere in the church, we have a sense of the faithful. We know the faith. When you know the faith, you can't be budged. Hey, when we come back, yes, this is an article about Pope Francis' senatorial path mimics, unfortunately, the Anglicans' route to self-destruction. Back in the 1950s, they did it. Now we're going to follow that. Makes no sense, but that's what's going on. Stay with us, family. We're too blessed to be stressed in spite of all this. We're too anointed to be disappointed. And if hope was money, yes, Romero, Terry Barber, we'd be billionaires because our hope is in Jesus Christ. Stay with us. Welcome back to the Terry and Jesse Show. To join the conversation, call 888-526-2151. Now, here's Terry and Jesse. So is the synodal path, is it mimicking the Anglican's route to self-destruction? Hmm. I think it is. Sure looks like it. One of the most effective idioms in the English language is the simple expression, the blind leading the blind. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, it it happens in politics and even in the church. Oh, yeah. This phrase is found in the Holy Bible, Matthew chapter 15, verse 14. Our Lord says, quote, leave them alone, let them alone. They are blind and leaders of the blind. And if the blind lead the blind, both will fall into the pit. Well, there's no Bible verse or no idiom that could better describe the danger along the way of the coming synod of synodality. <laughs> synodality is not new. Others have tried it before and suffered from its blinding, from, from its blind leading the blind outcome. And this scenario was already played out before us in the Anglican community. In the book, The Synodal Process is a Pandora's Box, the authors, Jose Antonio and Julio Loredo, quote, former Anglican Bishop Gavin Ashenden, ex-chaplain to, to uh, uh, Queen Elizabeth II, now a Catholic convert, he points out that the Church of English embarked on, the, on its particular synodal way in the 50s. Yep. And his testimony is noteworthy. He says this, quote, ex-Anglicans believe they can offer some help because they have witnessed the ploy of synodality used in the Church of England to such divisive and destructive effect. The fact is that ex-Anglicans have seen this trick played on the church before. It's part of the spirituality of the progressives. Wow. Very simply put, they wrap up quasi-Marxist content in a spiritual comfort blanket and then talk a lot about the Holy Spirit. Or they talk a lot about the God of Surprises. Well, you know what that reminds me of? Of, uh, of the um, down in South America, 
um, liberation theology. They would talk about the God and the Spirit, but it was all about here on the planet, nothing on the supernatural. And that destroyed a lot of our faith in South America. But Jesse, the, the, uh, the fact that the Anglicans had seen this, and they've already done it. We, we had this similar situation years ago when uh, the inerrancy of Scripture was questioned, and the Protestants watered it down. We kept it, and then some of us in the 60s, we started saying, oh, well, maybe they were right about the Bible not being, being uh, completely without error. And you see, we follow these things, and it's just a humanity part of the Church, but the uh, Anglicanism is, is difficult to explain. In Great Britain, you know, you used to call it the Church of England. It's the fruit of Henry VIII's apostasy, right? Because he wanted to get married to another woman. In the United States, it's known as the Episcopal Church. And the rest of the world, especially places part of the British Empire, they call it the, the term Angelicum, or uh, Anglican. is common. And just so your information, I go, to con- I go to a church here at the Sacred Heart Chapel that are converts from the Anglican Church. And we have a beautiful liturgy. But here's the point. People saw an Anglicanism error being promoted. That If you know about it, 1976, that's when they started ordaining women. See, that was the fruit of their synodal process. And I believe that the people in the church, in a, in a Catholic church, Jesse, knew exactly uh, they're, they're following the format of the Anglicans. And it's yeah. nice to have Anglican converts say, stop, stop, don't do it, don't do it, don't jump off the cliff. Yep, yep. Um, the, the author says... The clergymen and later clergywomen who wore those vestments were often admitted socialists. Mm-hmm. They proclaimed the eternal verities through the liturgy, but were quite willing to campaign in favor of abortion yep. and the Equal Rights Amendment. Indeed, they thought these activities were quite virtuous. See, this is what's happening in the Catholic Church. This, this, this paragraph is just it's gold. Yeah. You'll have modernist priests. It's because the liturgy structure, they have to stick to the words. They have to stick to the rubrics. Yeah. So they have to read the words, and the words are all orthodox. The words, the, the words all uh, are part of the perennial teachings of the Catholic Church. But when they get to the homily, they start talking about social justice, and they start talking about uh, you know this horizontal, uh, uh, these horizontal homilies, these man-centered homilies. Then they go back to the liturgy. Well, they can't change the words, or they, at least they're not supposed to, and the words are orthodox. But in their in their in their counseling, in their homilies, in their in their in their teachings of, of catechism, they're heterodox. Mm-hmm. They're, they're 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 social justice warriors. Uh, I mean, if they could, if the modernists could, they would re, they would even scrap the liturgy and rewrite it. But they just can't. Right. They 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 can't. And, and but what they do, they they do everything they can to basically, you know, for for example, I've seen in homilies where a modernist priest like. He'll read something, uh, Genesis chapter nineteen. Oh yes, and 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 then fire and God rained fire from heaven upon Sodom and Gomorrah for their wickedness. Closes the book, the God, uh, the, closes the the the, the 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 lectionary. Looks at the people and says, "Oh, by the way, but we know that that uh, the sin of Sodom and Gomorrah wasn't homosexuality. You know, we know because of of of, of recent uh, biblical scholarship, we know that it's it's because people were mean to each other. People were not they were not hospitable. They were mean to each other. That's why God destroyed them. It has nothing to do with homosexuality. They just read it from the good book, 
And these modernists, as soon as they close it and get on the, the pulpit, they say something completely opposite of what they just read. Why? Like Pat Madrid told me a long time ago. He goes, Jess, he goes, trust me, they don't believe what they're reading. Pat Madrid told me this. Yeah, I believe it. Pat Madrid says, I guess I should. He said, we're having, we had a personal conversation. He just says, it really galls me. It galls me that uh, a lot of our clergy, they hold up the gospels and they hold them up and parade around and go to the ambo and they proclaim it. And he goes, and they don't believe it. Right. We had a personal conversation over a cup of coffee. I mean, uh, and you know, I've seen the same thing, Terry. Go ahead. Oh yeah, but Jess, here, here, here's the bottom line on all of this stuff that we're talking about, and 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 that is, we should learn from their mistake. Think about the rapid dying of the Anglicans. There's hardly any left. From 1992 to 2002, the number of Episcopalians plunged 32 percent. Uh, this was not a fluke. As of 2021, the Episcopal Church claims 1.62 member, 62 million members in the United States. What could account for the loss of over half of its membership in three decades? You know what it is? Lowering the bar. They compromised. They decided to say, let's get a popular vote. Just what we're doing right now. And so this is why my sense of urgency is to pray for Holy Mother of the Church that they don't fall into that same pit that the Anglicans did because it's not a pretty sight. Terry, I also read, I think, in another article that, that said... That, again, before 1965, yeah. 75% of Catholics were attending Holy Mass. Yeah, that's a fact. Right before the COVID pandemic, scandemic, yeah. uh, uh, 23 to 25% of Catholics were going to Mass on Sunday. Right, right now, 17 to 18% yep, of Catholics right. are that's going to Mass. Yep. And so w- w- our numbers are lower than ever before. But, uh, again... This path, it's, it's, it must be rejected, Terry. It's got to be rejected. This is a blueprint to destroy the church. This is a blueprint for failure. And as Catholics, the most important thing, instead of, uh, uh, instead of you know, just being angry over this and, and grousing over this yeah. and complaining, is focus on your personal walk with the Lord, your prayer life, your interior life, your sacramental life, they must be stronger than ever before. Absolutely. And, and, if, and Jesse, let me just jump in and say also what you're saying is spot on. But if you're going to a parish that's local right around your house and you see all this liberalism, look for an Orthodox parish. You might have to drive an hour. Yes. Or two. No, really, that's it's worth the sacrifice. I, I, I have a friend that stayed over at our house over the weekend. and We were talking about St. Anne's in San Diego. They have a traditional, it's a fraternity of St. Peter. They have four Sunday Masses. You have, it's so full that the ushers have to seat everybody, and the church is packed, and there's young families, they're dressed with suit and tie. And why? Because they ask a lot of the people to come to Mass, and people are driving long distances to go to the traditional Latin Mass. Now, again, you can be done with the Novus Ordo Mass if it's done reverently. Yes. But the point I'm trying to say is don't support your local parish that's compromising on the doctrines of the faith. Get in the car. I know it's $6 a gallon out here in California. Make the sacrifice because it's worth it at the end. Remember the goal of the Catholic faith is what? It's to usher in the social reign of Christ the King. Yep. That, that's our goal. Yep. And what does it mean to usher in the social reign of Christ the King? 
It means that we as Catholics have an obligation based on the Great Commission. We have an obligation that everybody hears the message so that everybody, every individual can make Jesus Christ Lord and King of their heart and that every nation can make Jesus Christ Lord and King of that nation. That's the goal of Catholicism to usher in not social justice, but the social reign of Christ the King. And I want to just give a plug. We've got Bishop Joseph Strickland coming up on our network. And I'm telling you, he is a man, uh, kind of like a John Henry, excuse me, a, a John Fisher, okay, or Thomas More, because he's standing up for the truth in the midst of his brother bishops who are not supporting him. I'm just be honest with you. He, he's the guy that they say, you got to get rid of. Why? Because he doesn't compromise. And that's why I want you to consider listening to just one of his shows after this show. If you can't get it on your network where you're on radio, get our free app. Go to vmpr.org, download the app, and you'll hear a bishop speak like a prophet in our times. He will not yeah. compromise. So I just want to encourage people to go to Virgin Most Powerful Radio's website, download the free app, You'll get lots of other programming, but it's all programming centered on what? Salvation, Jesse. That's it. Yep, yep. If souls are saved, everything is saved. If souls aren't saved, nothing is saved. Terry, there was a great mind that warned us about what what we're experiencing right now back in 1967. His name was Dr. Dietrich von Hildebrand. He was a German Catholic philosopher. He's a theologian. In fact, Pope Pius XII called him the 20th century doctor of the church. That's right. Yeah. So in 67, Dietrich von Hildebrand, he wrote the book, The Trojan Horse in the City of God. Oh, oh my gosh. And it was forwarded by John Cardinal O'Connor. Yes. In that book, he talks about what's happening right now. Yeah, it's amazing. Get the book. It's still available. Just Google it. and You'll get it. Uh, Jess Romero, what state should we be living in, brother? Let's live in a state of sanctifying grace. Don't live in a state of mortal sin. Remember... St. Father Pio says, pray, hope, and don't worry. Worry is useless. God is merciful, and God will hear your prayer. And remember, we fight for altar and throne to one day be inseparably united under Christ the King forever. Up next is the Bishop Strickland Hour. He just has a prayer. He says, let us humbly fast and pray in reparation and atonement for our sins and the sins of the world. Many lament the state of the world and of the church, and there are certainly things to lament. May our lamentations prompt us to pray more fervently and let us turn to God. Stay tuned and listen to a bishop speak like that and much more here on Virgin Most Powerful Radio. Jesse, Our Lady of Fatima said this, those are going to hell because no one's there to pray and make sacrifices. Let's pray for our leaders in our church. Get down on our knees and make reparations for these things. Stay with us, family. We'll be right back. 